at you. No. no. Um, <laughs> welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. I'm one of your hosts, Rye. And I'm one of your other hosts, Chris. And welcome to Stephen King Month. Yes. So as we're recording this, uh, the Pet Cemetery 2019 remake is a little bit over a month away. Uh, it releases April April fourth, twenty nineteen. Oh wait, well, it really. Oh, I'm sorry. It releases in theaters for the first time ever in Australia in April fourth, twenty nineteen. So I, I think I guess the actual American release date maybe it'll be like a week after. Oh wait, you know what? Um, I think I lied. No, no, this is no, actually first April, premiering. Oh no, it says initial release April fourth, Australia. Yeah, but there's actually there's actually premiering at South by Southwest on March seventeenth, twenty nineteen. So we should go to we should go we should go right now. Okay. Um. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we wanted to celebrate um this monumental occasion by giving all you dreadfuls out there a month long Stephen King marathon of episodes. So how this is gonna work out. Uh, we're going to switch off each episode each week between Ryan and I um, doing our favorite Stephen King properties. So Ryan is on deck this week. Yes. And she picked Carrie. I picked Carrie. Yes. I'm very, I'm actually really excited for this. So like Chris said, we are kicking off um, Stephen King month with Carrie. And we're going to do a couple, we're not going to do, we're not going to go as crazy as we did with Halloween and attempt to give you two episodes a week for this because our schedules will not allow it this time. But we're just going to do our favorite things about Stephen King or some of the other things that we don't get to talk about as much. So I picked Carrie to kick us off. And Carrie came out, was published as a novel in 1974. Almost didn't get published, by the way. Um, Stephen King, in the middle of writing it, just got really fed up and threw it in the garbage. And it was his wife that pulled it out of the garbage and said, no, no, you need to finish this. And sort of walked him through what it was like being a teenage girl and that isolation that you can feel. And basically, it's thanks to Tabitha, that we have Carrie, that then two years later, Sissy Spacek gave us the 1976 Carrie that was one of the Carries we watched for this episode. Mm -hmm. Nothing like the OG. The OG. And, uh, I mean, the the original book, it's critically acclaimed, uh, although it was frequently banned in United States schools, so... That doesn't surprise me at all. Especially, especially considering the fact that they wrote this at a time where the Bible Belt sort of ruled, and it's written about a girl who sort of lives in that. So that doesn't surprise me in the least that this was banned. I think you're much more of, uh, of a connoisseur of Stephen King than I am, so... Uh, I'm just a really big fan. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this, a lot of this will be a learning experience for me, but I, I don't know, was there any sort of... Uh, personal politics involved with Carrie because it's like it's not an outright 
attack on like Christian fundamentalism, but it's a very strong critique of it. So I was wondering if Stephen King ever had any like, did it come from personal experience or is it just his I personal views he, or was it just if, something based on the setting of the book or the story? If I remember correctly, it was something that he just wanted to write about. I think Carrie was this, oh, excuse me. Uh, I think it was, I think Carrie was his first book. I think from what I remember, he wanted to write about the human experience of, about being a girl, but didn't quite know where to start with that. He wanted something to do with alienation and obviously something to do with the supernatural and the paranormal. Um, I might actually be able to find an answer for you on this. Hold on one second. I have in my hand Stephen King's book on writing, which is sort of a memoir slash instructional guide. Uh, he talks a lot about his process and how he writes and he talks about the toolbox and everything that's inside of his writing toolbox, which is a whole other thing, but it's actually quite beautiful when you read the book. So... He starts talking about, on page 74, chapter 28, uh, he starts talking about Carrie and how that sort of came about. And I really hate to say this, but it actually kind of started with the tampon and the difference between girl and boy showers and how girl in the girl's shower there were privacy curtains and... So he says that while he was in the process of all of this, the memory that he had of noticing the differences between all of that, uh, he started to see the opening scene of a story, which was girls showering in a locker room where there were no pri pink plastic privacy curtains, no privacy. And this one girl started to have her period, only she doesn't know what it is. And the other girls, grossed out, horrified, amused, start pelting her with sanitary napkins or with tampons. The girls... The girl begins to scream. All that blood, she thinks she's dying, that the other girls are making fun of her even while she's bleeding to death. She reacts, fights back. But how? I'd read an article in Life magazine some years before suggesting that at least some reported poltergeist activity might actually be telekinetic phenomena, telekinesis being the ability to move objects just by thinking about them. There was some evidence to suggest that young people might have powers, the article said, especially girls in early adolescence, right around the time of their first. And he stops, but obviously he's insinuating, period. So there you go. From the king himself. From the dad, king. Right, hail, right, hail right king. from his mouth. So there's that. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the opening scene like verbatim that is the opening scene to Carrie and that's the way the book opens that's the way well it's kind of the way the book opens um but that's the way the movie opens I don't remember high school being this bad and tragic and horrible I'm I'm really grateful for that and maybe not for you yeah I again I this is my privilege talking I, or taking it for granted because I I mean yeah, I don't know. It's just like this movie just made me feel so many things. It's just like, oh my God, Carrie, just why? It's, it's just, I felt well, so bad for her. I felt bad for her too. I mean, think about the fact that you are obviously, you're already a weirdo because your mom's sort of a notorious religious nut. And 
you live in a town that obviously has their own belief system and they don't like the strange or the weird. So they judge you for it and they bully you for it. I mean, it's a lot easier to make fun of someone else and bully someone else when you yourself are having that done to you or you're just a completely insecure person. I mean, that's why people do what they do. Got real, got a little too real there for a second. Hashtag, but that's stop bullying, stop bullying. Be be nice, be nice. That's that's all you see. That's I think about it this way. It started in the seventies with something as simple as being from a religious family, being an outsider, and getting your period for the first time. And instead of helping this poor girl to like understand it, they make fun of her for it. Let's go from that to kids who are struggling with themselves, like how they are going to identify themselves, whether that's gender, sexuality, whatever it is. From the 70s till now, it's people are still bullying each other, just, just finding different things to bully kids about. And I also, I mean, I know this is jumping ahead, but I felt like the 2013 version did a, re- like, did a good job of updating it to a modern era where, you know... The, they made it a point to use social media and like YouTube as a means of cyberbullying. And that's something that's all too real nowadays too, especially, you know, just with the power of uh, anonymity, being anonymous. Anonymity? Yes. Just being anonymous, having that sort of disconnect between your quote unquote target or whoever you're harassing or just not, or not even just, it could be as small as like a microaggression, but you know, there's that certain disconnect where you can dissociate from yourself and you can say, you can post mean stuff and forget about it and not feel as bad. Um, oh, yeah. And that's something that's, that was, I felt like it was really well illustrated in the new version. So, oh, yeah. I think they did a good job of, of updating it in that respect. And I mean, having anonymity online, it, it's still there. I remember in the early days of Facebook, there was an app that let you, post to anybody or message them with complete and total anonymity. I mean, you, there was no real way to figure out who it was. And I remember there was this wave of girls who were getting terrorized by other girls through this app. I mean, it started with Zenga and then it went to Tumblr because Tumblr has that anonymity option too. Um, and I mean, in between Zenga and Tumblr, there was Facebook and this app. And I remember people were being told, you should go kill yourself. You, it, it was not, it wasn't fun. And eventually, I don't know what happened. I think people just, I think enough people who were doing the bullying got bullied themselves, realized it, how unfun it was, and it just sort of died down after that. But, yeah, being a weirdo when we were growing up wasn't a great thing. Yeah, I think nowadays in society, or today's society... We, I mean, we ha- we've made strides. We made Our strides think, have not been that great. Yeah, I think weirdness is something that's to be celebrated more and like i think more people are more accepting about just having their quirks and stuff i mean again there's there's still there's still massive problems that we're dealing with systemically about like race and gender and 
especially with like LGBT and transgender um, identities and oh yeah. Um, but I think I think it, I think we're we're coming a long way. Um, there, there's progress to be made. Um, and before I forget, like, I mean, I remember people used to make jo- and this this is not funny by any means, but people used to make fun of this one kid that I went to school with who was allergic to everything. Um, he had eczema. He was short. He was incredibly intelligent. And people used to make fun of him for all of his allergies and a bunch of other stuff all the time. And there used to be this joke that I used to hear them say. Now, I got a little tormented. Like, I used to have kids, especially if I wore my hair up, they would come up behind me and flick my ponytail or flick my bun. And I would turn around and say something and they would just start laughing hysterically because they were just like, why would we touch you? And that was minor in comparison to what I feel like they did to this kid. Like, even so far as they offered him something that was, like, red dye, like, that was food, and he was allergic to that, and I'm like, you could actually, like, kill him. Like, that's not, that's not funny. And people used to joke saying, oh, I think we should stop because he could turn around and come to school and kill all of us for doing this to him. That's not funny. Yeah. Because it has happened. It may not have happened at our school, but you know what I'm saying? So, like, when you think that, we've made strides as human being like again look at carrie carrie came out in the 70s and yet it is still relevant mm-hmm. telekinesis mm-hmm. or no don't make fun of her just because she's a little weird yeah the moral Fucking story is like she's freaking out yeah moral stories don't be a dick don't don't be a dick like, don't be a dick and like step up and be the better person and be the better person exactly reach out reach right. out so wow i didn't it's been a while but hashtag too real <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, it happens when stuff is relevant. Shit, shit like this happens. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why, like, like, I mean, mean, we carry just resonates. You know, back back when back when the book came out, the first movie in the seventy six and in twenty thirteen, like these themes are, um, at least in like American society. I mean, I I don't I don't know how I can't say for other cultures, but like it's still very. Applicable, and um oh yeah i think even without the 2013 remake if they never remade it at all it would still be relevant i know that the 2013 remake actually got a lot of hate when it first came out and i'll get to how i feel about it afterwards but carrie remake or no it's one of those movies that i feel like maybe until we've bred all the asshole out of the world it will still be relevant. And even then, it's a good teaching tool because even if by some miracle we do manage to breed all the asshole out of the world and bullying becomes a thing of the past, it's still one of those things where you can show other people like, hey, this was a thing that we used to experience on an almost daily basis. Be grateful you don't have to deal with this shit anymore. You know what I'm saying? See, uh, I'm going to get a little bit esoteric, philosophical, philosophical but i i I love i love how horror movies uh, have this off-brand way or this not i guess like this left field way of being or establishing themselves as morality tales so like similar to classic fairy tales like for example like the brothers Grimm fairy tales like um the og fairy tales were super dark and adult themed they they were market i mean like the, the title title aside um, I think the original title was called like, um, uh, like 
children's tales and other stories along those lines, but it's definitely not marketed towards children. It was actually meant to be one, a preservation of like the European oral tradition and uh, more for like academic um, and scholarly purposes. Um, and you had these original stories where they were hyper-violent. They deal with a lot of darker and adult uh, subject material. Um, and a lot of them were meant to be morality tales. They were meant to um, dictate what is good moral behavior what and what are the consequences of following a particular path, a particular way of thinking. And with horror movies... Um, a lot of the times they kind of adapted this i this um, literary device where you see that um, like especially with teenagers like slasher movies like the reason why they get killed get targeted um, is because they perform some sort of like abstract sin or they they broke some sort of abstract kind of law and like this external force be, be it like jason or freddy or whoever is coming to punish them um and they make they, fun of that in cabin in the woods exactly exactly they take uh, all the horror cliches like the jock the weirdo or the joker the virgin the slut mm. like they do all of that and they sort of make fun of it as like, these are all your traditional horror movie cliches, but that's like case in point mm -hmm. right there. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. And like going back to your point, let's say in like some utopian society way in the future where like all, all a-holes are, are bred out, you know, you still gotta, <laughs> you're still gonna have, you're gonna still, I, I can really see Carrie as like some, you know, fairy tale. Um, you know, told to uh, children. Don't bully the weird girl, or else she's gonna use yeah, her exactly to kill exactly. us all. I mean, I mean, this is a long <laughs> way of saying this is with a bot like some Grand Marnier in my in my system. So I'm sorry. Chris is I'm a way is basically what that means. Yes. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like uh, Carrie is a is a horror tales or morality tale wrapped up in a horror movie, and it's great. Um, and it's. It has like a look look how much we've been this movie is a this movie this movie podcast just got into serious philosophy and I love it and it's great and uh, I think that's why Carrie has such this 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 enduring quality about it and it's like it has so many layers and yeah I'm, just, I'm now rambling <laughs> listening to Chris Ram do his Grand Marnier ramble. Makes me think that the next time you're in town, we need to crack open a bottle of wine and watch a horror movie because I can drink an entire bottle of wine to myself. Oh, no. You, sir, I'll cannot die. hold your liquor. I, I'll die. I'll, exactly. So <laughs> we just need to watch a horror movie and do an episode while we're drinking because the, the conversation would just, that's gold, okay. I feel like. Uh, what horrible movie are you going to be watching? Birdemic. Birdemic. Let's do it. It's a terrible movie. Okay. Uh, just like Deathbed, contrary to non-popular belief. Oh, uh, no, no. Deathbed um, was great. <laughs> Deathbed's a masterpiece. You take that back. Uh, no. Um, but I think I think you're absolutely right. I think Carrie stands the test of time. And I think one of the... One of the weird critiques that I saw when the trailer for the 2013 Carrie first came out was that they thought that Chloe Grace Moretz was too pretty to be Carrie... I was like, that's that's that's, that's I think, not the point. 
That's and a, that's a weak ass uh, criticism, right? And uh, and it's so not the point. And also, they made her look like a generic white girl hey, in the movie. Hey, <laughs> like that's. Hey. Have you heard of makeup? Have you heard of right. good lighting and 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 costume and design? <laughs> I mean, forget about that. There are girls in this world that put a lot and like kudos to them because I don't put a lot of effort into the way I look. I just I can't. Sometimes some mornings I just don't have the time. We're lucky if I put on mascara. But there are some girls in the world who put in a lot of effort into looking like they quote unquote woke up like that, like this very natural, no makeup look. But guess what? There's a lot of makeup that actually goes into that. So, I'm sorry. Your argument that you think the movie is going to be crap because she's not pretty and she's too pretty? Fuck you. Uh, That's also, just a weak-ass argument for I don't want to see this movie. I have no real opinion, so. Yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. I mean, I know this is not exactly Well, horror. clearly that's what they did to Carrie. And I, what it's horrible. I hate it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Chris has some <laughs> strong feelings about this, y'all. Like, some super strong feelings about this. Yeah, like, case in point, I, I know this is a little bit off topic, but this is not in Super Nerve Pals, but, like, what, 2016, Gal Gadot was announced as Wonder Woman. Everyone's like, she's too skinny, she's not buff enough, she can't be Wonder Woman, and then Wonder Woman came out, and she crushed it, and people were like, oh. And then everyone else was like, mmm, sipping their tea, like, hey. Yeah, I... Do you know what I said to people who actually said that to my face? They're like, She's not buff. She's not. She's too. She's too dainty. She's too pretty to be Wonder Woman. I was like, she was in the Israeli army. She yeah. She 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 served. can be dainty as fuck, but she's a badass. I feel like so. I, I think she served for like at least I think the mandatory um serving period for the Israeli Defense Forces like six years. So mm. shut your mouth. There's also just as like a sidebar, since we're already there. There's a great video of Gal Gadot singing in Hebrew at this like giant thing where she's like dressed as a mermaid and comes down from the sky i, re- I remember seeing this yes I, <laughs> just as a, so she can go from that to being in the israeli army i feel like wonder woman was sort of her destiny at yeah. that point that just being said just just i mean you if you watch the film i mean fine that's great you're entitled to own your opinion but don't judge don't judge just don't come at me with your weak ass argument that she's too fucking pretty on that note so it's 1976. Carrie comes out with Sissy Spacek. I was actually kind of surprised. There's a lot of nudity for being in high school in the 70s in that movie. Yeah, There's like I, a lot. There's like an awkward amount they're, of nudity. They're just liberal. They're just like, let's let it, let's just let's be free. But here's the thing for the generation that we have for being so like free with themselves. Um, not that I not that I, you know. To each their own, whatever. I found it interesting that the 2013 remake has less nudity. There's barely than any. the 76. Like, exactly. I, and I, I, yet, I, I, and yet, the point was still made. Just saying, just saying, point was still made without all of all of that. They, but like you said before, they did a really good job of of modernizing it. Uh, they open. The first, the original with a volleyball game. And in this one, it just happens to be water volleyball. Uh, I only ever played that at summer camp. So I was just sort of, uh, I was just very jealous. I was like, they have a pool at school. 
We had a walk <laughs> to to, a, to another location to a college. We had to, to go, go to the rec center for gym class. We had to walk five miles both ways to get to the pool. It was horrible. No, we had a walk. We had to walk over a bridge past a past a, past a playground, and we had to go to Hunter College uh, to use their pool when we went swimming. But for all the things that Eunice had, they just they couldn't have a pool. I will never understand it. Then again, we also didn't have anything like cheerleading or anything like that. So here's the thing. While I was watching Gary, like the original, I totally forgot John Travolta was in that movie. Yeah, I I had a... As mo- the douchebag Billy Nolan, I'm just going to say it's that. It's weird. It was like, I... It's I, like, I, I... You know how you have like selective memory... I just, I had no idea John Travolta was in this film. And I watched this before, but like, I completely forgot about it too. So. It was a nice little surprise. I was like, oh, yeah. I forgot you were in this. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he, he plays Billy Nolan, one of the assholes. Douchebag. Yeah. Uh, the boyfriend of Chris. How, how did you compare John Travolta to whatever the actor was for the 2013 version? So here's the thing. I think they were both the older abusive schmuck. I think John Travolta was just slightly more verbally abusive. And I think the other one for the 2013 remake was more emotional. And he was, uh, I felt he was, was more sort of a sociopath. Like... For the time, actually, now that I think about it. that's That's like progression of violence in relationships now i'm not saying that people still can't get physical but there's i i feel like in our generation you hear a lot more about people being emotionally abused and gaslighted by their significant others in our generation than previously Mm. so i thought the fact that they made the remake boyfriend more along that line was again relevant and that's how they they differed. I don't even care that I didn't even know who he was. That's not the point. He's supposed to be a nobody. And maybe John Travolta was a nobody at the time, which was also kind of perfect, I guess. Yeah, I'm really curious. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. I'm, 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 I don't know. I don't know what at what point of his career that he he did carry. This We should look this up. Okay, so um his first screen role was in emergency which was released in september of uh, 1972 i think this is his first major breakout role this was his first breakout role yeah okay yeah 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 so okay so you had you had emergency and then you had in 1975 the devil's reign um and then 1976 which is the second movie or i guess the third is Billy Nolan. So this is right before, this is a year before he played Tony in Saturday Night Fevers. And then a year after that was Grease. So I feel like Carrie like kickstarted or really, really kickstarted John Travolta's career. So GG, Stephen King. Shit. Okay. Look at him just picking them. I mean, I also love the fact that he worked with Sissy Spacek and Carrie and then they had a little bit of a, a reunion in Castle Rock. Mmm, so good. From last year. Which was great, by the way. And I love how it just sort of nods to each of his universes, but doesn't really have anything to do with it. Fantastic. Fantastic. We'll do an episode about Castle Rock. 
Especially because I think season two is going to happen. At some oh, point. snap. It's so good. I will happily watch all of season one all over again. So how did you feel? So in 2002, there was a really shitty, it was kind of like a Lifetime movie. It was a really shitty Carrie remake that I don't really want to talk about because it was it was just so poorly acted, rewritten. It was just, it was bad all around. How did you feel about watching the 2013 movie? I comparison to loved the 76? it. I really, yeah. So the 76 version of Carrie will always hold a special place. Um, I think it's it's. I mean, it, it earns all its accolades and its legacy. So that that aside, I think when 20 when the 2013 version came out, the reviews were really polarizing. There were several. Uh, consistent points on where people were divided so one the uh leading lady uh chloe grace moretz um people were divided on her performance some critics thought it was too over the top some others thought uh it wasn't as scary or it was wasn't as original for me I agree that the movie, almost to a T, is almost exactly like the original movie, and it's um, it's very faithful to the source material. And so I don't think the criticism of it being unoriginal is valid because I think this is just you know I think it just comes down to subjective tastes, and I think the directors knew at how at how big of a legacy Carrie was. So I think they played it safe and they tried to stay as close to the source material as possible. And I think for something as monumental as Carrie, uh, whether you talk about the film or the original book, I think it's better to keep it close to the vest and keep it safe. And I, I did not have any problems at all with it rhyming so much with the movie and the book. Um, that being said, we already mentioned before, I really, the parts they did tweak uh, were just like little minute changes um, but it still made it, in my opinion, like fresh and original. It really updated it towards a modern age. So for example, utilizing phones and social media and YouTube and, and how the, with social media, like the potential for bullying could be so much more powerful not not to say like there's some forms of bullying that's more severe than others. Like I think all bullying is bad, but like I think the the intensity with social media can ramp it up. And when you're talking about a story where uh, you have someone who's pushed too far, who's being felt they're too trapped, too isolated, I think that was a smart way of modernizing the film. I mean, not this is no no part. Or no fault on the the original movie, um, but it was made in the seventies. So some of the some of the uh, the effects uh, seemed a little bit dated, um, especially when Carrie goes uh, AWOL and she's uh, going uh, going or taking out her rage on everyone in the gym. Like, because I actually watched the new film and then I watched the original film. And then, oh, okay. So I did the reverse. Yeah. So I thought it was a little bit hokey where the some of the effects where the high, the fire hydrants are just moving by themselves in the original version. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe 
maybe I'm just a sucker, but I thought the mo- the new movie used I think they judicially used like modern practical and CGI effects to really score some of the like the the or to really like animate some of the the real breakout scenes like raptors crashing down the gym and someone being t- uh uh burnt alive and they're using CGI to you know throw knives or throw furniture across the room or make them flow. I thought it was pretty cool. Maybe it was just a sucker. I think I I I I honestly really really enjoyed it. And I th- I thought one of the climatic scenes where Carrie takes out uh Billy and Chris in the car in the 23rd version, I thought that was a really nice uh, interesting twist. I, th- I think it really raised like dramatic stakes and and how it it just showed how much Carrie went over the edge in the original 76 version uh carrie flipped over the car and exploded but here in the 2010 version she like psychically blocks the car and then she or first like she like cracks the road then she like psychically crushes the front of the car and then she intentionally lifts it up and smashes it into a gas station and then intentionally makes the gas station explode and it's like oh shit that was that was a really cool effect so yeah, I think I all in all, I really enjoyed the 2013, 2013 version. Um, I think it aged like wine. How about you? There are a few things that I noticed watching the nineteen seventy six version. Everything with her with Carrie in the nineteen seventy six version was extremely deliberate. She didn't seem to feel any shock or shame. She didn't seem to get too upset. Everything was extreme. Her actions were extremely deliberate. Something that I noticed that was either so subtle and put in there by the props department or done extremely deliberately. And either way, I think it's almost masterful in a way. When Carrie in the 1976 version gets sent to her closet, you see that she has a little wee Jesus that's hanging there. If you notice, Jesus is hanging the way he always does, but there are also other little marks on him. That you don't see in a lot of other Jesus statues like that. If you cut to the end of the movie, Carrie's mom's body completely mimics the Jesus statue in her closet. Oh, wow. The wounds are identical. Down to placement as well. That's really so cool. either that was extremely deliberate or someone was just that good when they did this. Either way, I'm proud. Given the creative team behind it, I'd say it was completely uh, intentional. And the, I remember the first few times I watched that, I never noticed it. It took me watching it for this purpose for me to see that. So now let's talk about the 2013 version. This was a remake that I didn't actually hate. I was really pleasantly surprised, even watching it again, how much I genuinely enjoyed it. I will say that the if I'm going to take any issue with this, I will take issue. First of all, I thought Julianne Moore as the mother. Oh my gosh, she was, was so perfect casting. She was phenomenal. If you take Julianne Moore from this movie and Sissy Spacek from '76, you have a perfect Carrie movie. I feel like. Not that that's anything against Chloe Grace Moretz. I thought that she acted beautifully in this. She did a really good job as Carrie. Here is my only problem: in a movie about telekinesis, there was an awful lot of physicality. That was involved in the 2013 movie. That was sort of off-putting for me. 
Um, oh, what do you mean by physicality? She Jedi force choked the gym teacher. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, it's telekinesis. It's not superpowers. So that was my... If I have to get nitpicky and have to critique something, it's it's going to be that. Where it differs, not necessarily in a bad way from the 1976 version, is Carrie basically goes into a rage blackout, which those are real. There are ha- there have been uh, like crimes of passion where someone will crumple into tears, uh, feeling a lot of regret and remorse for something that they've done out of sheer rage. And like I said, rage blackout is a real thing. Um, because she goes through all of that and I thought it was a nice touch with the special effects where her pupils are so black it takes over her entire eye. She obliterates most of the school. She goes after Chris and Billy and completely destroys them. And as soon as she's done, she's in tears. She's just a girl who needs her mom at the end of all of this. And then that scene in the bathtub... In 1976, Carrie is just cleaning herself off, very deliberate. She's upset that everything happened, but she doesn't seem to really register what she did. She goes to her mom and she says, you were right, they all laughed at me. In the 2013 movie, she has moments of clarity when she's washing herself off. She starts hugging herself, she starts rocking, she starts crying, like the severity of what she did hangs over her. And you see that again in the end of the movie where she's like, I killed my mom. What do I do? I'm scared. So despite everything that her mom like did to her, she's just a girl who like really needed her mom at the end of this movie, which when you're an emotional wreck and you are hormonal in high school, sometimes that's kind of what you need. So for me, I have to really agree with you when you say that they were fair and faithful to the source material, because apart from the... Jedi Force Choke, they were both extraordinarily faithful to the book in both respects. I think they, I I don't know what everyone bitches about for the 2013 movie. I really don't. You want to bitch about the 2002 movie? Be my guest. It was god fucking awful. Yeah. I will say, I think one of the most haunting things I love about the 76 movie uh, that, that like resonates with me really, really a lot is um, how they how they utilize sound design and music. Like, I felt like they used it a lot more in the 76 version versus the 23 version. And, like, I think they were really smart of when to use music to, like, accentuate um, the mood. Because, like, I felt like when I was watching the movie, I I just felt it... At certain points, there weren't as much dialogue at certain places. Like, they gave you, like, pregnant pauses and they just let the music ride you out through the emotions. Um, mm. And especially, yes. yeah. And especially during the, um, the gym scene, I love that quick, it, it was only like a minute, but when the blood, like right after the blood falls on, uh, on Carrie, you just hear nothing. Like there's like no music. You a pin could have dropped in exactly. that gym. Exactly. You hear nothing except for like the knocking of the pail and then you could hear like the sprinkling of, of like of, like the blood still dripping, and it was just you couldn't hear nothing else. You, you could see they they cut to Tommy, and he's just mouthing what the hell, but you don't hear anything. And you, you can liken it to like this period where like 
Carrie's in shock, and then she's going to blackout mode. You can see it happening, and then then you cut to like that horrific, mesmerizing look in her face. Like her eyes are just like dead wide open, and they're like she's like, far away in another place. And it's like holy shit, this is so good. And I think that's something that, um, not to say like the 2013 sound design or what, what, or though their choices of what they did during that climatic scene was wrong or incorrect or not as good. I think that's something that in a 76 version that I felt that was so striking. It's so memorable. And that's, but that's kind of what I was saying with the physicality that they gave her for the 2013 remake. If they had approached it in a similar way it could, it would have been just as effective even more so i think that the times where she was just staring she looked horrifying she looked extremely haunted and you didn't need all the physicality that they sort of gave her i mean i guess with 2013 they wanted something something to accompany the special effects I could I could have done without like I said I could have just done with they could have toned down the physicality a little bit more. They didn't need all of the gestures. They didn't need quite as much as they gave us. But I don't think it detracted from it in any way um too much. I just think that they could have done what they wanted to. I mean, if they could do it in 1976, you can do it in 2013. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I have zero qualms with this remake. Yeah. I I thought it was quite wonderful uh, yeah i agree i really don't get all the flack it got and, uh, yeah, and again, watching it back again i really don't understand it. <laughs> yeah and uh let's see uh, um now you know that stephen king is notorious for hating a lot of the remakes of his a lot of the film versions of his movies did he hate this one <laughs> I don't I don't think he hated this one. Basically where that comes from is the butchering of The Shining. Um but he's had high praise for some of the other things that have come out since. Like he had very high praise for Castle Rock. It got a glowing recommendation from him. Um when he says when Stephen King says that something is terrifying, I feel like that that means it's worth watching. Now not to say that he said that about this movie. I just mean as like a general point of interest as a horror movie enthusiast if stephen king says something terrifies him watch it (laughs) (laughs) because he wrote some of the most notorious novels of all time and i feel like that man isn't scared i mean we know he's scared of other things he he is human but you know um i will say since you had i thought about it for a second not that I think that this is, this is more of a nod to Carrie. Because um, you had me thinking about it since the beginning of the episode. I am a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, in case anybody needs to know that. In season two, I think it was season two, was it season two? I believe it was season two. There was a queen on there named Raja, who came out on the runway dressed like Carrie down to she had a bucket above her head that was spilling on top of her she did was she actually drenched on on the runway or no not in real blood that well I I mean like was there like like spillage you know 
I believe so, but yeah. Wow, um, that's wild. Fashion, I that love was it. Like, and that was one of, my, one of my favorite things that I had said, because I remember watching that season going, oh my God, it's a Carrie reference. I'm so excited. That's so good. And that just like made my heart sing. I love it so. when, when fashion just gets really weird and out there um, and, and like <laughs> just embraces pop culture. Like, um, For those who, who may have not known right now, like I'm a huge anime nerd and like I remember like... It was like it was like Victoria's Secret, some some show like a couple years ago where they started wearing costumes and uh, um, inspired by one of the most famous mecha anime of all time, like Evangelion. It's like, oh my god, this is awesome! So uh, we need more horror and fashion and fashion and horror. I love it. Let's do it. Oh, now I remember why she was wearing it. She was wearing it because it was a stand-up challenge, and she told a bunch of period jokes. Um... I'm about. I sent you the. I hope that that link works. Oh, wow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is so extra. I love it. <laughs> but it's brilliant. I, no, no I, 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 yes. More extra, more power. I love it. This is so, so good. So that is going to be included. This is very, <laughs> this is very, very good. <laughs> so, yes, that is one of my favorite I mean, you want to talk about something being, like, being influential. You're on a reality TV show about drag queens where someone made a point of making a stand-up routine of dressed as Carrie, about, or, like, surrounding around period jokes. <laughs> I just... It's, it's so right good. There. I love it's it. It's right there. <laughs> it's beautiful. So. Um, cool. Wait, like so I said, I, all in all, very content over here. I give each one of them five out of five buckets of blood. Yes, five out of five buckets of blood. Um, speaking of which, buckets of blood is like a, um, if I remember correctly, it's like another, it, it was like a, I remember back in high school, there's, I think it was like an anthology film. It was like Called a, Buckets of Blood? Yeah. It was like this hokey black and white horror film anthology hope I'm, I'm checking this out um i hope oh yeah it's called a bucket of blood um 1959 black comedy horror film yes oh, yeah, a yeah, bucket yeah. of so, blood okay yeah so this is uh i know this is a, a large tangent but like um um i i used to have an art teacher um named mr cavallis rest in peace uh he passed away in 2016 um uh and he was such an oddball art teacher like he's he 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 was just so cool and he was he was just really connected with his students and um he taught art and art history and he would just come up with the strangest and most weirdest and most intriguing um art curriculum stuff possible and he had this just giant weird expansive encyclopedic knowledge of all this obscure stuff so um i don't no this wasn't actually for class it was like for like some extracurricular activity i think it was i think it was like a club activity actually um so they were screening this film and it's a this this dark satirical comedy where this bus boy had dreams of becoming a sculptor um but he was terrible at it and then one day he accidentally kills his neighbor's cat um 
and in order to hide the evidence he covers it in clay and everyone starts thinking he's an amazing sculptor oh my god yeah. wait a minute yeah <laughs> that's like the plot to mystery of the wax museum from 1933 which then inspired the vincent price movie wa- the history of the wax museum which then also inspired the 2005 remake house of wax um let's see yeah, yeah, that, so because that is that's like verbatim almost the plot to yeah. history of the wax museum. Uh, yeah, it, it's very similar. But um, it's been a while since I've seen the the wax museum movie. But I I remember correctly, like a bucket of blood. It's very tongue in cheek. It's very satirical. It's very hokey. Um, and it just gets stranger after that so anyway that was a trip about i kind of want to watch it's it. it's very good i mean we could watch i mean it's it's a pretty short movie i remember cracking i think it's like it's like it's only an hour so whenever we do I wax think we museum should we should do, t- yeah i think we should i think that. we should do a bucket of blood and mystery of the wax museum in one episode it's a it's a oh man i haven't seen it because we're doing we're doing like the House of Wax and History of the Wax Museum as its own episodes. I facts. think we should do a bucket of blood and mystery of the wax museum. Mm. It's I, I okay, feel like done. it's <laughs> it's like it's like an indie darling. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how many people know about it, but now we're gonna single boost it because it's just so weird and wonderful. Um, anyway, that was my trip uh, trip down memory lane because buckets of blood and yeah, and uh, both movies five out of five buckets of blood. It's great. Um, there's also a musical out there. I had not seen it. Ryan, have have you seen it or have you I seen the production seen it, of but it? But I've no, but I knew of his of it. I knew of its existence. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to say. I don't know why my tongue was caught on my mouth. It's okay. No problem. Um... Also, did you know that a bucket of blood was remade in 1995? I did not know that. Okay, well, um, there you go. Uh, oh, A Bucket of Blood is a 1995 American black comedy horror film. The film also features a then-unknown Will Ferrell. Okay. Um, it's a remake of the Roger Corman 59. It's a remake of the Roger... He actually... So Roger Corman actually produced the remake. Oh. Uh, the remake, made for Showtime, was later released on home video under the title The Death Artist. Mm. It was. It has never been made available on DVD. Huh. Do with that information <laughs> as you will. <laughs> but I kind of feel like we now need to do that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's do it. Let's do it all. Something something that was made for Showtime that only went to Showtime never was released on DVD. I gotta watch it. I'm I sorry. mean, it, it was it was so bad it didn't go to direct to DVD. Uh, that's that's a pretty low bar. Uh, that means it went direct to VHS. That's probably oh, worse. Or Laserdisc. Oh, or, uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. Okay. Uh, tangents all around, but yeah. So that I mean that was it for Carrie. Um. This is us kicking off Stephen King month. I'm really excited. Mm -hmm. So next episode is all Chris. Oh, yes. So just for a little bit of a teaser and for for everyone who's listening, so uh, you can play along and stay caught up when we do the next episode. Uh, We are doing The Mist versus The Mist. So we're doing... (laughs) 
<laughs> so we're doing. There's a theme here, in yes. case you guys aren't yes. aware. <laughs> we're uh, <laughs> so we're doing the the Frank Darabont missed movie and the horrible, horrible, just so horrible. It's impressive how horrible it is. The missed TV show because the mist uh, out of all of Stephen King's works, the or at least written works. The Mist is my all-time favorite writ- written work of his, and like even I mean, there's so much to pick out of Stephen King. I mean, like Carrie, uh, It, uh, Cujo, Misery, so on and so forth. Um, but I the Mist, love Misery. I know it's so good. I mean, it's the, uh, man, we need we need more weeks in a month because if if our <laughs> I'm not even joking. If our schedules had allowed it this month coming up to the pet cemetery remake we absolutely would have pulled the halloween and tried to swing multiple episodes in a week because stephen king has just produced so many amazing things that unlike the shining which i didn't always have this opinion of the shining it wasn't until i actually read the book for the first time that i had the shared opinion that The Shining as a movie on its own is great, as an adaptation of a Stephen King book is god-awful. Um, but we would have absolutely jam-packed this month full of Stephen King stuff because there is a, like a plethora of shit to go over that I feel like doesn't get enough of tension. I mean, f- putting that aside, there's Salem's Lot, there's Misery, um, Children of the Corn, which was a huge... I'm a huge fan of children of the corn not necessarily all the sequels that it produced after that which i think was about five or six other movies but the original children of the corn is something to behold (laughs) gerald's way was another one that was uh just made for netflix recently like in the past year so there's a whole bunch of stuff that's that's just out there and maybe we'll do a Stephen King month part two, so we can dive into more of that stuff. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like, Stephen King is so prolific. Pro- prolific. Oof. That Grand Marnier. <laughs> um, yeah, so. It's we, orange. It's orange. I love it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for now, stay tuned. Um, uh, I guess for a little bit of homework, um, just because the Miss TV show, if I remember correctly, I think it's like uh, 10, 11, 12. It's like. At least ten episodes. I want to say it's like twelve, actually. Um, we're all we're doing. Re- we're doing the first three. The first for three. The episode. Okay. The first three. Um, I watched all, all the missed, the the TV show. So oh, you don't have. No. So you don't have to. So it it gets it gets weird. And yeah. Anyway, I'm excited. Other way, I'm excited. Um. So yeah. So uh, if you're excited for the mist, or if you're excited for any of the other Stephen King um, episodes that we have uh, in our back pocket and you want to stay on track, all you got to do is uh, follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and smash that subscribe button. If you don't, or you're having trouble finding our uh, shows on your standard podcatcher of your choice, you could always um, plug in our RSS feed um into your pockets player of your choice and then hit subscribe and you'll never miss an episode uh and ryan where can where can all of our find us on interwebs yeah so 
again, like Chris said, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of us of Left for Dread. Um, don't forget, we have a brand new episode that comes out every Friday now. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. We do have a group on Facebook and we have our brand new website, thanks to Wix.com. Not sponsored, but we're grateful anyway at leftfordread.com. Mm-hmm. Visit our website. So shiny. There's moving clouds <laughs> and it's on a dark and stormy night. It's spooky. <laughs> it's great. It's on a dark and stormy night like most horror movies take place. <laughs> uh, thank you again for listening to our super carry extravaganza. And stay tuned for next week where we cover the mist. And um, until then, stay, stay dreadful. dreadful. Ha 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 ha!